we got one lady up here, and I got Chip up here, so I need the others to come up. If you're able to stand, I'd like you to concentrate on, on the words. Um, some great songs that, that, that point to the grace of God. And uh, Chip, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Morning, church. God is good. And all the time. So the um, Bible Gateway verse of the day today is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So Lord, you were here before everything. You are the word who created everything. Without you, Lord, nothing would exist or have been created. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, you created mankind, watched us grow, watched us prosper, watched us rebel. Forgive us, Lord, our iniquities. Help us to be kind and loving. Thank you for the freedom to live and choose. You are God alone, and we worship you. Nothing can stop you or surprise you. Nothing or no one is greater than you. And we fall to our knees to adore you. Please help us to be worthy of you. Amen. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent. On any mortal man, you are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, good times and bad you are on your throne you are god alone you're unchangeable you're unshakable you're unstoppable that's what you are you're unchangeable you're unshakable you're unstoppable that's what you are you're the only god whose power none can contend you're the only god whose name and praise will never end you're the only god who's worthy of everything we can give you are god that's just the way it is you are god alone from before time began you were on your throne you are god alone and right now in the good times and bad you are on your throne you are god alone you're unchangeable you're unshakable you're unstoppable that's what you are. You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are. You are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are your throne you are God alone and right now in the good times and bad you are on your throne you are God alone you gave me life Lord and I rejoice in it you gave me a living, a wonderful life, a wonderful wife. 
a song within my heart to play for you. Lord, we give praise to you every day because you love us. Your love shows in every way, the sun shining, the birds singing, the children laughing. You come through loud and clear. You want us to be happy. You have given us wonderful freedom to live our lives, and more importantly, to worship you. Please be with us in this crazy world. Help us to make sense of it. Help us to recognize opportunities of faith where we can bring our fellow man back to you. Amen. is the fuel that drives us onward. Your love is what fills us and makes us look heavenward. Grace alone gives us purpose and satisfaction. Your grace, O oh Lord, the divine blessing, brings others to you and helps them live renewed in your spirit. Love us, Lord, for our spirits need you. We want you. We crave you. In this hour, unspeakable crimes are committed. Unspeakable sorrow is felt. Your unstoppable love is needed to counter the bad. So help us to push back the darkness. Give us the strength to go forth and do your will. Your grace is enough. Help us to remember to use it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Every promise we can make, every prayer and step of faith, every difference we will make. 
is only by His grace. Every mountain we will climb, every ray of hope we shine, every blessing left behind is only by His grace. Grace alone. Supplies strength alone, He will provide Christ in us, our cornerstone. We will go forth in grace alone. Every soul we long to reach, every heart we hold. only by His grace. Every loving word we say, every tear we wipe away, every sorrow turn to praise is only by His grace. Grace alone which God supplies strength alone he will provide Christ in us our cornerstone we will go forth in grace alone grace alone which God supplies strength alone he will provide We will go forth in grace alone. We will go forth in grace alone. Amen. One more song. Is it later? For our responsive reading, uh, would you please uh, read along with me? This is Psalm 103. It's a beautiful psalm. Ready? Praise the Lord, my soul. All my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeemed your life from the pit and crowned you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our sin, our transgressions from us. Did you catch that? As far as the east is from the west, they never meet, right? Okay. God is good. 
that's really a picture of God's grace and, and his mercy. And there is a difference between grace and mercy, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, as we pray uh, before the offering, I'll ask those who are helping with the offering if you would come forward. Okay. And um, listen, uh, you know, again, I, without getting political, um, I am really burdened for our country uh, for, for many reasons. And we need to continue to pray for those who are in charge uh, and those uh, uh, people who um, are having a rough time right now. We're commanded in Romans, by the way, to pray for the authorities. And we pray for them, whether we like them or not. We pray for them. And the prayer ought to be, in my estimation anyhow, that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they look at God's word for uh, wisdom and guidance as, as to what to do. Um, last week, we were in a store and a fist fight broke out. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, you say, what's going on here? You know, a, a temper seemed to be flying off the handle. This, um, you can almost smell violence in the air, and uh, it, it's not good. It's not, and you know, I don't know the spiritual state of these two gentlemen that squared off, but uh, you know, it's, uh, violence like that is never pleasing to God, and um, it's just an example, I think, of what's happening in the rest of the country. And so, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer, and we're going to pray for churches too, because churches are still. Um, uh, very low in attendance, and uh, uh, there's some reasons for that. I might add, not good reasons, but uh, there are some reasons for that. So would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we do thank you. Uh, we thank you that we still live in a country where we can freely worship. And yet, Father, we see many things in our country that just are not right. Father, I believe this whole woke agenda has hurt everyone. And sometimes uh, it's not even realized. Father, we don't need to be woke. We need to be awakened by the Holy Spirit. Awakened to the truth of the Bible. Awakened to the Savior. And so, Father, as we pray for our country, we pray for the president on down that they may come to know the Lord Jesus, that you, you would put people in their path who would love them enough to share Christ with all of them. Uh, Father, the only way to have peace is through Jesus. There is no other way. And so, Father, we thank you for the cross, for the resurrection, for the grace. And so we pray for our country that's hurting on many levels, Father. Uh, even this past uh, couple of days, the violence in the city has escalated, uh, both in Philly and New York and Chicago and San Francisco and other towns. Even the violence locally, Father, has escalated. Father... We need Jesus. Help us to be salt and light to a world that's dark and bitter. And help us pray for others, even those we may not necessarily like, for that's what we're commanded to do. And Father, as your people give to the work of the kingdom, we pray that you would bless both the gift and the giver, that we would use it to further the kingdom, Father. This small body of believers has been so generous. I thank you for them. And yet, Father, I know that you say if we're faithful in little things, you'll call us to do even bigger things. So help us to be faithful. We pray this in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said...
Amen. We'll wait upon you now for tithes and offerings. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to respond uh, in any way, but this is between you and God. But you got to be honest, okay? Have any of us ever done something so stupid or illegal or made bad decisions along life's way. <laughs> if, thank you for being honest. Well, join humanity. The truth of the matter is we've all, it's, we, we all have done uh, things that we've all regretted. Uh, we made bad choices that we've all regretted. And unfortunately, some people get into the uh, psychological state, if I could put it that way, that they have done so, so much bad things, there's no hope for them. And that's, that could be farther from the truth. Um, scripture says that Jesus came to save the vilest sinners. That's me. That's me. Uh, you know, I often kid uh, in high school yearbooks, uh, and this is the time of year where, you know, yearbooks get signed and, and uh, distributed. Um, in, in my high school, I went to public school, I would have been the, uh, voted the least likely to be saved. And they would have been right. They would have been right. Uh, the reason why I'm approaching this is when it comes to ourselves, sometimes we're not objective in the way that we judge ourselves. It's hard to be objective, right, like that? Uh, you know what we do? We're taught to compare. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not as bad as uh, Joe Blow down the street. Isn't it easy to find somebody who's worse than us? But we never find somebody who, who's living better than us, right? Uh, you know, at least I'm not like that. We looked at the parable of the publican and the uh, um, Pharisee last week, and they're both praying, and uh, the publican is looking down at the Pharisee who's on his knees beating his chest saying, to God have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee says to God, look God, I'm glad I'm not like him. Well, you know what, he was worse than him because he was counting on his own pride and self-righteousness to earn God's love. And that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. Let me um, just tell you how scandalous Jesus was viewed. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the, the priests, the Sadducees, um, who supported some of that theology, we're saying that in order for you to be right with God, you had to keep every aspect of not only the law in the scriptures, but the rabbinical law that was added to it. And the reason why the rabbinical law was added to it, there's two reasons, was the fact that the rabbis and the uh, Pharisees wanted to look holy. It was all image. See, I keep the law. Yeah. I don't I don't even lift a finger on Sundays. I keep the law. And Jesus comes onto the scene and he heals people on the Sabbath. Jesus, you can't do that. You're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm always working.
And so does the Father in heaven. What would happen if Jesus took a day off? This world would fall apart. And he was trying to make the point that work is not the issue. What is at issue here is a relationship between you and God. And the only way to have a good relation is by trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're at the portion in John where the Feast of the Tabernacles has ended. Everyone went home. In fact, the last verse uh, of that, that portion says that uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Everyone went home. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, in, in the eyes of the religious people, Jesus was being scandalous. He's associating with sinners. Big no-no. Right? Not only that, he speaks to women in public. Big no-no. He works on the Sabbath. Big no-no. Right? And he's infuriated the Pharisees so much because just the presence of the Son of God, the Son of Man, to the Pharisees exposes their hypocrisy. So he's viewed as a threat, viewed enough that they want to kill him. One of the course, courses I took in, um, uh, for my uh, doctorate was uh, systems theory. And uh, it's quite fascinating. And, and it really helps out when you counsel and, and do other things. But in systems theory, it talks about dysfunctional systems. What makes, what makes someone or, or a system, a family is a system, by the way, right? A church is a system. What makes someone dif- dysfunctional? Do you know? Wait, you're, you're close, you're close. Listen, everyone's dysfunctional. Okay? Everyone. Everyone, every family is dysfunctional. What makes dysfunction bad is when we ignore the issue at hand. And not only that, when we ignore the issue at hand, that means we want to preserve a dysfunctional system. And usually in that system, we name somebody else who's the troublemaker who has nothing to do with the dysfunction. Did you get that? You, all you have to do is look at that government. Okay? Dysfunctional systems will do anything to maintain themselves. When a person comes in and tries to bring health to that system, enter Jesus. That system wants to get rid of it. You follow? Okay? So... The Pharisees uh, now want to uh, trap Jesus so they can get rid of him. This is where we're at. And I'm going to give you a little bit of textual background on this passage. Uh, if you notice in your Bibles, uh, there's, uh, most Bibles have notes that uh, this section of chapter 8 does not appear in the earliest ma- manuscripts. However, it's a little bit of a miswording. It does not appear in most of the early manuscripts. It does appear in some, and it for sure appears in many of the later manuscripts. So there's been arguments whether it belongs in the Bible or not, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Well, there is nothing in this passage that is out of character with the rest of what we know about Jesus. I think it's profitable for us to look at it. There's a lot here for us to, to, to understand. So uh, I'll be coming from the perspective that this is a part of the Gospel of John. So would you read this with me? Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, probably to pray, but early the next morning he was back again where? At the temple. 
And wherever Jesus went now, because he was so controversial, you know, a crowd would gather around. He's worth gathering around, isn't he? He's worth gathering around. I could care less if, uh, uh, I don't know, Justin Bieber was in town. Yeah? Uh, no offense, Justin. Uh, you know, I, I, I could care less if, if the governor was in town. Yeah? If Jesus is in town, I would want to see him. But you know, more than that, Jesus is here. And we need to gather around him. Well, crowd gathered around, and he sat and he taught them. I look forward to that day. I'd like to sit as I preach. Could I do that? Now have you stand. No? Okay. That was shot down rather, rather quickly. He was speaking. The teachers of the, of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. There's a number of problems here. All right? The first problem is, how did they catch her? Were they looking through her window? Did they set her up? Was this all planned out to trap Jesus? I mean, I don't know. But whatever happened, there was some deception behind it and a lot of evil behind it because they brought this woman and accused her that she had been caught in adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. Why do you think they put her in front of the, cr the crowd? To embarrass her. To shame her, right? I mean, there's also another problem. Where was the man? Where, where, you know, what was that, Marjay? I missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet you're probably correct, right? I mean, Leviticus and Deuteronomy are very clear that if somebody's commit, uh, it's caught uh, in adultery, both the male and female are subject to death, right? Well, of course, they only brought the female. You know why? Because they had a very low view of women, first of all, and Jesus elevated that, by the way. Very low view of women, and no matter how this turned out, they were willing to sacrifice this poor woman to prove their point. Sound familiar? They put her in front of the crowd to embarrass her, to humiliate her, right? Now the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus, no question about it. And uh, you know, listen, Jesus is remarkable. That's the only way I can, I can say this. Look at what he does here. Now they're addressing Jesus. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The, what does the law of Moses say? I'm sorry, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? <laughs> Here was the trap. If Jesus, without questioning, said, yeah, stoner. He would be violation, in violation of the civil law because only Rome had the right to execute. If he said, no, don't stone her, now he's in violation of the biblical law. Correct? What would you do? For those of you who are Star Trek fans, I wish Chaz was here. He's a Star Trek fan. This is known as the, as the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> the no-win scenario. But Jesus won. Look what he does here. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I have no idea what he was writing. Do you? Scripture doesn't say. Was he just taking time to collect his thoughts? I don't know. 
Was he writing maybe the Ten Commandments for the others to see? I'm not sure. But whatever he was doing in the sin had to be effective. So he stooped down writing in the sand, and he didn't answer them right away. Yeah, and this is what I love about Jesus. Uh, because he didn't answer them right away, you know what they're thinking? All right, what is this guy up to now? What's he up to? What's his next move? So they kept badgering him. What do you say, teacher? Come on, what do you say? You can't think about this. Yeah. In my mind, I'm, I'm picturing the Jeopardy theme, right? Da, 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 da. And Jesus is never in a rush. But when he says something, it's meaningful. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up. And he said, all right. In other words, all right, go ahead and stone her. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. <laughs> now the game has changed. Now the trap backfired. Jesus didn't deny the law, and he didn't violate the civil law. He says, if you want a stoner, stoner. But here's the condition. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. They couldn't do it. Here's the biblical law. All sin deserves death. Right? All sin deserves death. Scripture says you violate one of the Ten Commandments, you violate all of them. Jesus refines that, by the way, and he says, listen, if you think about killing or murdering somebody, <laughs> you violated the commandment. If you think about adultery, you violated the commandment. Whoa. What would you have done? Jesus is very forceful about this in other parts of the gospel where they're talking about, where Jesus talks about if you are going to confront someone about their sin, make sure you remove the plank in your own eye before you talk to them about the speck in their ass. You know what that requires? That requires self-examination. And then we, we come to realize we're no better than the one who's trapped in sin. But only for the grace of God do we make the right choices. And I just want to wait there for a second because I want to explain grace. You know, we, we broke down grace into... Uh, uh, the, the saying that grace is God gives us what we don't deserve and that is forgiveness through the uh, person or work of Jesus Christ we don't deserve that that was a gift for as by grace you are saved through what? faith faith in what? the person or work of Jesus Christ that's where forgiveness happens but even as we're forgiven, when we come to Christ by faith and repentance, while he keeps us on this earth, we're still going to sin, aren't we? Because we're not perfect. But that's when John says in his letter, if any of you say you were without sin, you deceive yourself, you lie to God. God knows. But he says, look, when you examine yourself, you let the spirit and the word examine you. Here's what you need to do when sin is revealed. You go in confession. You know what confession means? To agree with. Who took Spanish in school? Con means with, right? 
And fess means to agree, to agree with. You're agreeing with God that what you did offended him, hurt you, and hurt others. And when we repent of that, it says God will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. You see, God's grace is holy grace. It, it's not a grace that says you can live any way you want and I'll forgive you. No. It's, it's not a grace that, that accepts uh, things that are against the scriptures, against his, the holy word. No. It is grace that is offered when we recognize that we are doing something completely against the will of God. That's holy grace. Listen, as a pastor, you know, I, you deal with people. Sometimes, you know, we all get ourselves in jams and, you know, you talk to people. But listen, before I talk to anyone, I have to have a time where I examine myself and let God change my attitude because when I talk to someone, the goal ought to be to love and restore them, not to destroy them. Make sense? That's what Jesus was doing here. He loved this woman. He knew what she did. In, in fact, she did it. But even if she didn't do it, if this was a setup, he spared her life. I have to say, okay, Lord, what do I need to deal with in my life before I go talk to so-and-so? And Lord, help me to do it with words of grace, holy grace, and words that would help restore, not destroy. Listen, there's been times where churches will shoot their own wounded in a self-righteous attitude, and, and that ought not to be. And that doesn't mean we accept anything. That means when we see something, we need to, to step back and wait till our hearts are right to go to someone in love and say, look, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. You should think about this rather than say, you know what? You deserve to be stoned. That has a different meaning these days, right? So you got to be careful how you say that, right? <laughs> this is not a time for confession, Tommy. It's not a time for confession. <laughs> but you understand the magnitude of grace here. After he said this, he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. He waited. I want you to notice he didn't stand up, and he could have rightly done this, right? And say, I know you're a sin, I know you're a sin, I know you're a sin, I know you're a sin. No, he, he put it back on them. And said, now you gotta be honest with God. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Beginning with the oldest, I wonder why. Well, not only that, maybe a little bit more wisdom to understand, you know, the, the, uh, the depth of the sinfulness. But the oldest left first and then down to the youngest until only who was left, Jesus, in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Picture this. The scandalous man, Jesus, who values the life of a woman, which was not valued in his culture, standing with this woman now, and he asks her a key, key question. Here's the question. It says, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Wow. Where are your accusers? 
We know we have one accuser who works every uh, day 24-7, don't we? And his name is Satan, right? Scripture says this. I'm not making this up, by the way. Satan is the accuser of, of the saints. Who are the saints? Those who trust in Christ. And the reason why I know this is because Romans 8 tells me that Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but principally Jesus in this point, uh, is before the Father's throne interceding for believers because Satan still has access to the throne for now. And he'll say, hey, you know that Lou, that preacher? He doesn't love you. He, look what he did. He messed up. And I could picture Jesus at that point standing up, showing his hands and saying, Father, he's mine. Yeah, he did some stupid stuff, but he's mine. That's grace. In fact, somebody wrote about this that says grace is amazing. Right? Amazing grace. Right? Where are your accusers, woman? Nobody accused her. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Isn't that wonderful? But he said, he didn't say go back to your life the, the way it was. What does he say? Go and what? Sin no more. In other words, look to me. Follow me. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the desire not to do this anymore. Wow. I mean, this is, this is powerful stuff. Jesus just committed what the Pharisees would believe would be the unpardonable sin. Because they believed only, only God the Father had the right to forgive. And you know what? They were all gone. <laughs> they couldn't even get him on that. They will later, but they, uh, they couldn't get him at that. Listen. This is a picture of God's holy grace. It's wonderful. He doesn't withhold it from anybody. But the key is we got to come in humility on his terms. We have to come examining ourselves, letting the word of God examine us, letting the spirit of God examine us, realizing that we have, I'll put it this way, we are morally bankrupt. We have nothing to offer, only sin. But it is by grace we are saved through what? Faith. Through faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin in my place. In your place. We remember those of you who, are, who have some mileage under your belt. Years ago, there was a, uh, a song, uh, What the World Needs Now is Love. What the World Needs Now is Jesus. Love has been redefined so many times that the definition of love in our culture now is so unbiblical but biblical love is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe on him shall not perish but have eternal life. The wonderful grace of Jesus. And you know, once we have truly put our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, God's faithful to us. And you know as well as I do that um, positionally we're sanctified, right? In other words, because Jesus took on our sin, he gives to us his holiness. We're enveloped in his righteousness. But we're still sinners, right? And we're, we embark on a process that the Bible calls discipleship where 
step by step, as we yield to the word, as we yield to the spirit, as we learn the scriptures, God can transform us from the inside out to become more like Jesus. Become more like Jesus. That's sanctification. And it's only by his grace that we can grow. Listen, there are Bible teachers and um, uh, pastors who will put you, try to put you on a treadmill. Uh, and what I mean by that is they'll say, you got to try to live like this. You got to try to live like that. You got to try to. No. I would say to you this yield to the Holy Spirit, yield to the Word of God. He'll give us the desire and the power to go forth and, uh, and freely obey our Lord and Savior. Does that make sense? Because if you try this yourself, you're going to burn out. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. They last for about a day. But when the Spirit of God does, starts to do a work in you, that's permanent. That's permanent. So I'm going to ask that we celebrate God's faithfulness. And we're going to shout praises to him. How's that? Can we do that? All right, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. As they come up, I'll make this up to you next week. We're going to do uh, two, two songs. One's the great hymn, one of my favorites, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And the other one is shout to the Lord. Those of you who have been saved by grace, you have every reason to dance, shout, praise God. And the only reason we could do that is because of his faithfulness to us, which is stand. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hands have provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto me summer and and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars.
my Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing, power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Nothing compares to the promise I have in Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. All the time. God is good. In my estimation, the, the greatest gift in this world is the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. So no matter where you are in life right now, if you have no money, a lot of money, if we've made some stupid decisions or we did things that we know aren't right, God's grace is for you. Let's pray. Father, would you dismiss us in the power of the Holy Spirit? Help us, Father, find comfort and restoration through your grace. We have trusted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, help us to be graceful believers and help us to encourage one another along the journey of following Christ. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen. Okay, very good. Have a great day. Enjoy it. God bless you.